<clears throat> All right, get your Bibles out, iPhones, scrolls, whatever your generation is used to using. Um, we uh, are working through the book of Genesis. And we're going to be in chapter 5 today. And if you read chapter 5, you might be wondering what in the world is he going to do with a list of genealogies. So that's a good question. Uh, what I found is God is amazingly consistent in his word. And so I went on a rampage. I made a commitment in January uh, that I was going to listen through the entire Bible uh, in the month of January. I, I didn't quite make it, but I did get all the way through the Old Testament. And the themes that you hear over and over again, the things that God emphasizes. Now, when you and I want to emphasize something, we speak it louder. If you're writing, you put it in italics, you bold it, you put it in a little square box to highlight it. But we all have things in our lives that we emphasize. And if you look at your checkbook, you look at your schedule, you can tell by those two items uh, where your real priorities, where are your, your emphasis, all right? And as I listened through the Old Testament, I heard God saying the same thing over and over and over again. Now, by the time we get to Genesis 5, we're 1,600 years into history, all right? So, and I, I, I won't punch, pull any punches today. I'm going to lay it out and you do what you want. Uh, evolutionist says the, the, the universe is about 13 billion years old. Um, Christians believe it's 6,000 years old. Somebody's wrong. The scary thing is that the church over the last 200 years has tried to compromise with that. Well, if we just agree with the evolutionist, <clears throat> then they'll all come to church and love Jesus. No, it don't work that way. Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men to myself. There is a huge chasm between the evolutionary model and the creation Christian model. And for the churches to cave in is a very sad thing. And that's why I tell you, never more in the history of the world have I meant this. Do not ever trust a pastor. You always go back to the word of God and you check it out for yourself. But what I found is I listened. And you're like, how did you listen to all that? Have you ever driven on Granada? <laughs> you hit play, and by the time you get to where you're going, Deuteronomy's in the bag, man. And it's it's just not that it's not that complex. But I kept hearing this same theme, and then when I went back and studied Genesis 5, I found the theme. Now, by Genesis 5, what's happened? We've had the creation. Everything was good. We've had Adam and Eve eat the fruit. We've had the fall. We've had Cain kill Abel. But now, by chapter 5, 1,600 years have passed. We've gone from where everything was good. God said it's good, very good, very good. And you get to chapter 7, and this is what God says. The thoughts and the deeds and the actions of everyone is evil all the time. Wow, that fell off the table fast, didn't it? From everything is perfect to everything is perverted and sinful. And I'll just give you a preview because we're going to cover this coming up. Almost everything that Noah's dealing with when we get to 6, 7, 8, and 9, it's all sexual. It is sexual perversion. So just... Just hang on to that as, as we move forward to this. But we live in a time when preachers are saying, well, you gotta unhitch the Bible from the Old Testament because the Old Testament doesn't really matter. It doesn't really count. 
Well, here's the problem. In Genesis 1 to 11, which is creation, the fall of man, the first, uh, the first murder, uh, God's redemption, it's Sodom and Gomorrah, it's the, the breakup of the languages. All of this takes place. Jesus quotes from that section of Genesis 26 times. Do you think Jesus believed it to be true? So when a preacher says, ah, you can't believe any of that stuff about Noah or Adam or, well, Jesus did. So if Jesus thought it was okay, then it's going to be okay with me. Does that make sense to you? All right. So anyway, my wife and I, we're remodeling the house and we got all five kids gone. All right. And if you don't have this experience in your life, it's a good one. Okay. One of them comes home occasionally to visit. That's okay. She's in college. So we're remodeling the house. I got three dogs. If you want them, you can have them. And, uh, but I, um, but I, I asked this guy the other day, I hired this guy to build a, a double bed. He goes, no problem. I'll have it done by the time you get home from work. I said, great. So I come home and there's bunk beds. And I got pretty upset. I got pretty upset, and I, I, I cannot believe this. I walked around a little bit, and I calmed down. He goes, are you okay? And I said, yeah. I said, but it's just one thing on top of another. <laughs> Even if you don't like my humor, life really is one thing on top of another, isn't it? You get a dollar ahead, then what happens? You finally get this kid on track, then what happens? You finally get grandma healthy and then something happens over here. It never ends. That's what life is. So God emphasizes three areas that uh, everywhere. You, these three themes just keep popping all through scripture because man sins, man sins, man sins. And then God keeps driving back to the same three things. And what... The, the truth is that the topics we're going to look at today, they are destroying our culture today, but even worse, they are destroying the churches in America. So the first thing, well, let's read the text and then we'll break down what God emphasizes. Stand with me out of respect for the word, please. Um, <clears throat> we're going to just hit the first two verses in chapter five, then we're going to jump down. But this is all just a genealogy from Adam to Noah. It says, this is the written account of Adam's line. When God created man, he made him in the likeness of God. Nothing else, only man. He created them, male and female, and he blessed them. And when they were created, he called them, say it. Now, ladies, don't be offended. All right. That is the Hebrew word. And the Hebrew word means red. Adam was created out of red clay. And Eve was taken out. We'll get to that later. Eve was taken out of Adam's side. And so God, the ultimate name for all of us, was red. Okay? That's just what it was. So don't be offended by that word. Now we move on. We get to Enoch. When Enoch had lived 65 years, he became the father of Methuselah. Methuselah will be the oldest living man on earth. He lives 969 years. We'll spend more time with him in the next couple of weeks. <clears throat> and after he became the father of Methuselah, Enoch walked with God for 300 years. And he had other sons 
and daughters. Altogether, Enoch lived 365 years. Enoch walked with God, and then he was no more because God took him away. You can be seated. Now, there are several things we'll start with here. <clears throat> Enoch, Enoch lived 65 years, and then he had a kid. When did he start praying? After he had a kid. <laughs> That's notable. It seems as if Enoch lived kind of a wide open life until the birth of his child. And then something got a hold of him and he starts walking with God. And it changes everything. Now he's one of only two people in the Bible that this happens to. Elijah, later on, Elijah will be caught up with the chariot of horses. Uh, um, God sends a chariot of fire to take Elijah from this earth right into the spiritual world. The only other place is here with Enoch. And Enoch was so righteous that God takes him out. No chariot, no anything here. Literally in Hebrew, it says Enoch was and then Enoch was not. So Enoch was taken from the physical flesh and he was taken right into the spiritual world. Only two people have had that experience. But what is it that God emphasizes, okay? Because God knew what mankind would struggle with from the time of Adam all the way up to our society today. Nothing has changed. He emphasizes the fact that he is the creator. That's where it starts. It says, in the beginning, the creator made. Now this is this is so, so important. When you're looking at the heavens, are you glorifying God or are you thinking, man, isn't that amazingly something? But the word created, you will find it all through the Old Testament. And it's always the same Hebrew word. It is bara, B-A-R-A, and it means created out of nothing. Okay. If you have to ask an evolution, where did space, time, and matter come from? They will say it created itself. It came from nothing. So you have nothing creating nothing. I have a God who created everything. All right? So you, you get the idea that, but from early on, man had already forgotten about God, forgotten that there was a creator, forgotten that there was one who they were responsible to. In Colossians 1.16, Paul said, for by him, that's Jesus, by Jesus all things were created, you can read it with me, things in heaven and on earth, things that are visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers, our rulers or authorities, but don't miss this, all things were created by him and oh yeah oh yeah so we spend so much time talking about the value of life and how we're all created no matter how you were conceived and what the story was you are a divine spark of God instead of the world telling you you're nothing you're just an accident even if you were on purpose you were an accident because the whole universe is an accident no 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 every single person unborn born Poor, rich, every single person matters because we are created. But there's two parts to that. You were created by him and for him. So I rejoice in the fact that God created me, but that means God's got something for me to do. God's got something for you to do. And too many churches don't talk about that. It's like, 
Well, God's here for you. God's here to make you happy. No, you're, you and I are here to make God happy. That's, that's this role. He saved our souls. Our job is now to turn back and serve him and worship him. Isn't that what the Bible says? Paul says again in Romans 5, Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man, that was Adam, there was a second Adam came, and he destroyed all sin. And that's what Jesus did on the cross. Now, I love talking about languages with evolutionists because they hate this topic. Because as hard as it is to get anything to evolve, a language is very complex. And to get one language would be impossible. We'll really get into this when we get to the Tower of Babel. But the fact that there are thousands of languages, how did that happen? And wouldn't you think that the first word would, if, if evolution was true, we'd have a Neanderthal grunting a couple of things? Here's what's interesting. All right, This is a Sumerian tablet behind me. We have thousands of these. Uh, <clears throat> they're made of baked clay. And um, since they laid in the desert in Babylon and Assyria and other parts of the Middle East, uh, they're, they're in perfect condition. <clears throat> and what's amazing about the Sumerian language, this tablet's 4,000, 5,000 years old, is their grammar is far, far superior to anything that any language uses on earth today. Now, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wouldn't you think we would start off with just a couple of words, and then as we got more and more brilliant, our language would get more and more complex? The Sumerian language is far more complex than English. How did that happen? Allow me to explain. <clears throat> In science, there is a law called the second law of thermodynamics, or better known as the law of entropy. And the law of entropy says that everything always goes from order to chaos. Nothing ever goes from chaos to order. Does that make sense? Scientifically, that makes good sense. If you leave your house for three years and come home, will it paint itself and be clean? No. It goes from order to chaos. Only when it comes to the origin of life do scientists throw the second law of thermodynamics out and say, yes, things always go from order to chaos except the creation of the universe itself, and that went from chaos to order. Really? Languages, everything we see. We don't know how they built the pyramids. We don't know how a lot of things were done in the past. Because we're not getting smarter, if you, we think we're smarter, but we're going from order to chaos. And if you can't watch what's happening in our culture today, you're missing out on what's actually happening. Now, the second part, let's move on for the sake of time. He emphasizes something else. He created them. How did he create them? Male and female. So, to be fair, I went back to the text. I was fairly certain what it said, but I went back and I studied the Hebrew. In Hebrew, the word male, the word female are specific and they refer to body parts. They refer to anatomical parts. So, that it was obvious to Adam, it was obvious to God the difference between a male and a female. All right, that's 
Seems obvious, but not so obvious. The problem is today we have men who want to be women and women who want to be men. And it, it happens because people have no identity. They don't understand that they're created by a divine being. And God has put you here and made you the way you are so that you can glorify him. Quit changing who you think you're supposed to be and be who God made you to be. That's, that's the core of... But once, once God is taken out of the equation, then you just, people are just looking for meaning. They're looking for a reason to exist. So we'll do, we'll, we'll switch genders. We'll, we'll have fluidity in gender. Uh, we'll protest for Buffalo because we got to have something to do with our lives. And it's a tragic thing. And then <clears throat> if you watch online, there's all these crazy liberal theologians out there. And they always make speeches about what Jesus didn't say. Jesus never talked about sexuality. Jesus never talked about homosexuality. Jesus never got in, into any of these topics. And so the church needs to know that it's all okay. Well, that's the liberal position. Let me show you what Jesus did in one sentence. This is in Matthew 19. All right, Matthew 19, 3 and 4. Some Pharisees came to test Jesus. Not testing, they're trying to trap him. They want to kill him. They asked, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any and every reason? Well, of course that's not true. Moses never said anything like that. Haven't you read, Jesus replied, that at the beginning, the creator made them male and female. One sentence. Jesus is like, hey, Matthew, get this down. Just get this one sentence down because we're going to get them all. Haven't you heard that in the beginning God created and he created male and female? One sentence is all Jesus needed to cover all the chaos that's happening in our culture today. He did it with one sentence. So, this theme plays out, again, over and over, all the way through Scripture. All the way through the Old Testament, all the way through the Greeks, the Romans. So what we're facing in our culture is nothing new. The question is, will the church of Jesus bow to this? Or will the church of Jesus respond with, listen to me, truth and love? It's got to be both. Because we're not trying to hurt people. We are trying to get people saved. But if I tell you, you can just live however you want and God just loves you, then I just signed your warrant to hell and probably my own. If you want more information, Romans chapter 1, 1 Corinthians 6, Genesis 18 and 19, feel free to, to dig in. But then the last part about Enoch, I put that one in there because no matter how good things would get for God's people, they would always wander off. Over and over again. It's the whole story of the Old Testament. It is, it's them wandering off, God bringing judgment. And after 300, 300 or 400 years of pain and suffering and death, somebody would go, hey, maybe we ought to get with God again. Things didn't used to be this way. And they would repent and things would turn around and things would be good for a generation or two. Enoch saw, you know what? Adam used to walk with God. Every, every evening, remember, in the cool of the evening, every night, God came and walked with Adam and Eve. They talked. All right? 
And then after the sin, Adam and Eve are thrown out. Now they have to learn to pray and talk to God. But Enoch said, I want some of that. So Enoch began to walk with God. I like that. He began to go for walks with God. Now, that's really as simple as it is. Like, I don't know how to pray. I couldn't pray that prayer like Leah did or Pastor John did. Look, there's no rules. Talk to God. Listen to the word and then talk to God. Just go back and forth. Go, go for a walk. Go for a drive. Your neighbors already think you're crazy anyway. Just talk to God. Just talk to him. Micah. Micah the prophet. This is interesting. Micah is a fun read. Um, Micah, I'll just tell you what he says. If this gets you to read the book, it's a win. Uh, Micah speaks to the ladies in Jerusalem uh, because they've just totally walked away from God. And he calls them about a bunch of fat, drunken cows. That's Micah's assessment of the Jewish ladies. And um, that probably didn't go over real well. I'm just guessing. Uh, But then he said this. God has shown you what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly. Now listen. You don't get to define that word. That word gets thrown around a lot in our culture today. We need justice. Okay, what is justice? Justice is not defined by you and me. Justice is what's right in the eyes of God. We are to act justly. Not on what my group thinks, your group thinks, their group thinks. No, justice is acting the way God would have me act. All right? Love mercy. That means I love it when God shows grace and kindness to other people. That's why I want you to invite your friends here. Invite the worst people you know to come to church because those people need Jesus and the worst sinners make the best Christians. Love it when God shows mercy to people. And then what's the last one? Walk humbly with your God. Oh man, walk humbly with your God. See, if you don't think there's a God or you don't believe in the Old Testament, you don't believe in Scripture, um, you're going to live how you want. And in so doing, you're going to walk very arrogantly in your life. When you read God's Word, it humbles you. Francis Chan, <laughs> Francis Chan's a great pastor who moved out to uh, Southeast Asia to plant a church. And Chan said this. He said, every time I read the Bible and something makes me angry, he said, I just know I'm wrong. And i got to figure out how to get my life in line with God's word. Sadly, sadly, most people do not look at God's word that way. John MacArthur said this. John MacArthur said, if you fight the battle everywhere but where it rages the hottest, you are an unfaithful servant. And so we can get involved with things that just don't matter or we can say, you know what? God emphasizes something. God emphasizes creation. God emphasizes male and female. And God emphasizes walking with God. Maybe I need to pay attention. So I don't know what decision you need to make. Some of you to walk with God, your first step is to accept Jesus, to repent, to be baptized. Hit that button if you're online. I've decided. If you're here, come on up front. There'll be a prayer team up front to pray with you, uh, to help you. I don't know what part of this you needed. I needed all of it. But as I saw that theme playing out throughout the Old Testament, it's like, man, God's pretty serious about this because he puts great emphasis on these same three topics. Let's pray. God, I thank you for your word. I thank you 
um, that you never let us off the hook. <clears throat> I thank you for the words of Francis Chan that <clears throat> too often I act like I'm above your word when the truth is Joe's always wrong and God, you're always right. And I pray that you'd help each of us to get to that point in our relationship with you. And whatever that looks like as we learn to talk and walk and pray and listen and follow. Father, that we would be the generation that turns the story around. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.